0: Welcome to Creative On Purpose Live. These conversations are about are with inspiring difference makers about making things better and endeavors that matter. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward, head coach at Akimba Workshops, and chief difference maker at Creative On Purpose. If you're ready to make a living by making a difference, grab some insight and inspiration at creativeonpurpose.com. And while you're there, grab a copy of The Burnout Solution. Make a bigger difference by making better decisions. Let's meet today's guest. Kim, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to learn more about you and the difference you're making?
1: Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here with you this morning and with your audience. Um, So as Scott said, I'm Kim Fisher. And what I actually am, I'm a nonprofit strategist. So I have kind of a unique world that I operate in. I have over 30 years experience as a nonprofit executive, and I was also a business coach for a period of time, so I just brought it together. And I do business coaching for nonprofits, which is a a wonderful adventure and journey. So uh, the key area that I work in, actually, I work with nonprofit startups. So what I love to do is I do formations of nonprofits. I do all the IRS paperwork. I get them incorporated, create their boards, uh, uh, their narratives, their three-year budget, father IRS paperwork, and uh, really just kind of get them started and get them going.
0: That's fantastic. I love what you do. Uh, we were connected by our mutual friend, Candace Edelin. Mm-hmm. And um, I am just really inspired by it's. It seems to be a really growing enterprise that people mm-hmm. are people that are out there making a difference and maybe successful. Yes. in One aspect of their lives want to pay that forward with for mm-hmm. nonprofits. So and it sounds like you're really helping them navigate the things that probably most people don't care to navigate, which is their yeah. <laughs> work and the, the drudgery mm-hmm. of assembling boards and things of that nature. What, mm-hmm. what got you? What's, I'm always interested in people's kind of backstory, origin story, like how, what, what was the path that got you from, you said you were a business coach. If, mm-hmm. I don't know if you had other experiences before that. But what got you from where you are, were to where you are now?
1: Well, uh, my, I spent over 30 years as a nonprofit executive. So I've been in development, marketing, training, education, you name it, including seven years as the chief executive of Arms of Love International. And uh, so throughout all that time, I, just, I saw a lot of the challenges that nonprofits face. And some of it is because nonprofit people are very heart driven people. Not always as business-oriented, business-focused, business-experienced. And so I found over and over and over again nonprofits that I worked for and the ones that I've now worked with as my clients, that that's really a part of what the struggle is is for the nonprofit is to bring in that business expertise and strategy work. So uh, the areas I also work in besides formation is I do nonprofit finance. So getting their QuickBooks system set up and income and expenses and training chief executives on how to read nonprofit financials and training boards how to read nonprofit financials. And then I also do board development work for small nonprofits. And again, just helping them when they get stuck. I love working in the micro nonprofit area. That's really where my niche and love is. And so it really came out of, Scott, as I said, just my own experiences working for boards, serving on boards. And my passion is really to help these people that are so heroic, people that start nonprofits are such heroes, to be able to uh, start off on the right foot in the best way that, that I can. They're, they'll make their own mistakes. But as I do, as I say, I come by my own mistakes, quite honestly, and what I teach the nonprofits and how to do things a little bit differently to hopefully not make some of those same mistakes
0: awesome i i'm not really familiar with a term that you use and i wonder if you would just kind of unpack a little bit micro nonprofits.
1: yes just the um the startups the startups nonprofits under five hundred thousand dollars uh just kind of the smaller organizations that um that are have they have you know again like any start business as you and i both know and many of your listeners know has its own uh Challenges to it, and then then you have the growth options of the way that businesses grow. So in this case, nonprofits are very much the same way. They they have their own challenges when they're small, and I love to work within those within those areas.
0: Nice. Well, and I know from um, you know from our conversation uh, earlier off camera that you have really had a lot of success, especially recently, with what you're doing and. I'm wondering if you, when you go back in time and kind of look at what are the pieces that I, that you assembled, what, you know, when when was the moment that you kind of tipped the scales? Um, I imagine that you didn't just burst onto the scene, wildly successful, turning away business. <laughs> um, most of us that seek to, you know, build something a little bit bigger than ourselves and make a difference doing work that matters, how mm-hmm. the experience of having to, you know, learn skills that were um, not really proficient in or higher out to get <clears> done. what, what are the, the pieces that you that you found you had to put together that, that really put you over the top
1: yeah and so when i first started this scott i had left my last chief i left my chief executive job in 2014 and actually spent a period of time not employed interviewing for jobs um, that's a whole nother story for a whole different, a whole different day <laughs> And then in the meantime, people started approaching me about this work, you know. And so next thing I know, I was doing it on the side while I was looking for work. And I said, nope, I am not doing a business again. Another story for a different time. But um, obviously, you can see I lost that battle, as I like to say happily so. And um, because I just the business kept coming to me. I didn't realize there'd be a niche for what I do. Mm. And I think that was probably the biggest surprise to me to think that I could earn the kind of income that I earn. And have the number of clients and the amazing clients that that I get to interact with. And then starting the business officially, probably 2016, 2017. And what really kind of uh, shifted a lot of things for me was really upping my marketing. Like every small business, trying to figure out how do you do your job, make the money that you need to make, plus invest in your infrastructure. And so that was probably the biggest game changer for me. For me, it was uh, upgrading my website. Doing SEO or hiring someone to do SEO for me, doing Google AdWords, creating a database, having a lot of different things that that I did that put structure into the business that allowed me to work less and make more. Essentially, Mm.
0: well, I love that you shared that there are some things that you actually hired out for because I think a lot of times people that, especially (laughs) at the beginning, they hire the cheapest labor they can, and which is themselves. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, so they'll teach themselves SEO or teach themselves mm-hmm. Google AdWords yeah. or, uh, and end up spinning a lot of cycles way outside of their area of expertise, which prevents them from actually growing the business and from taking a more macro big picture look at mm-hmm. the, the, what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I imagine that some of your marketing in particular, um, one of the ways that we we frame marketing. The creative, our purpose is telling true stories that to people that need to hear them so that you can enhance their lives through whatever it is, mm-hmm. that, whatever change you help them make. Yeah. Um, that piece sounds in something else that you said was interesting to me. It's almost like it sounds like your niche found you.
1: Yes, <laughs> it certainly did. That's exactly so, way we're putting it.
0: If you have any tips for how we, the rest of us can can uh, make that happen, that would be wonderful. Because I think one of the hardest things, certainly that I have found in, in creating Creative on Purpose, but and with all the people I work with, mm-hmm. is, is the niching. But the, the niche and the marketing really go together. You have to mm-hmm. know who you're speaking to yes. before you can start telling those stories. Did, were, strategically or tactically, was there any, did you see any kind of evolution in, 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 in your niche and in your marketing for how, you know, who you're speaking to and how you're speaking to them?
1: Well, you know, maybe a great comparison, Scott, would be when I was, gosh, almost 20 years ago now, I started my first small business as a business coach. I actually started as a life coach found that that wasn't really a great fit for me because I'm more business driven. I was, had a, mar- a lot of marketing experience. So I became a business coach and that was a hard business for me to start. And this one has been much more seamless 20 years later. And I, I've kind of come up with reasons why the difference is for me. This is just my journey, of course. But that number one, you have to be able to do the job and have the experience of what you're actually promoting. Number two, can you find your client? So when I started my coaching business, I had I had to go through coach training and I had experience, but I hadn't actually been trained. I didn't have all the um, things together and the stories. I didn't have a, a, a decades long career of running my own business at that point. And I, to go find my go find my clients. I have I was networking breakfast, lunch and dinner, chamber of commerce events. I mean, believe it, I could go on and on. You name it. It was very expensive and very Hard on my waistline to go to so many different events all the time. But that's what I had to do to find my find my clients that were business owners. And then the question was, do these people find see you as a solution to their problem? So when you're business coaching, this is, again, 20 years ago, people weren't doing as much business coaching. I was in the San Francisco Bay Area, and even there it was difficult. Mm-hmm. To be able to um, talk about coaching, and that's the first thing. And then number two, am I would they hire me? So I had a two-step sales process in that. That was, that was hard. Then number four, can your clients pay you? So those were the things that were not operating as well in my first business that really shifted in my second business. And I could really see that now. So I, again, I spent 30 years in the nonprofit space. I have credibility in the nonprofit space. Um, I have contacts in the nonprofit space. It wasn't difficult. People that know nonprofit people know other nonprofit people. So that's a very common place to operate in. Also a place I loved I loved operating in. I mean, it was a passion of mine for, for decades of my life. And I did find that my clients found me the solution as the solution to their problem. Because again, in my experience, I feel very confident and I love what I do because I know I give my clients fantastic value for, for, for in our work together compared to my competitors. And, um, and they pay me you know, because of the niche that I operate in. So that's kind of a general overview of what I really discovered in my own journey um, in business and also interacting with other entrepreneurs, is that if one of the four things is missing, there's going to be nothing you can't overcome it. It's just going to be more challenging than when you find a space that you, the biggest thing is, again, can you find those clients easily without a lot of money, time, and effort? Are they there?
0: Yeah, well, I really appreciate you articulating that that clearly. And so what I'm hearing is you started where you were with what you had and who you already know. Mm-hmm. And that piece in particular is really uh, important to me because it's so often when clients will come to me, they'll say, well, I got to figure out how to, um, you know, have a better presence on social media. And I always go. <laughs> How is that part of your your you know get started strategy? Like, how are you going to possibly, and especially at this stage in the game, mm-hmm. engage with total strangers in a way that so thoroughly delights them that you earn their awareness, their attention, their trust, their permission, their enrollment, and their investment? That's 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 that takes a long time. It does. Who do you already know? Who's mm-hmm. Who who do you already know? What problem do they have?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How can you craft a solution to it? That's uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that that, that you share. That I think that's that's a way that people that are really ready to get going in their enterprise um, can get going and not mm-hmm. spend a lot of cycles hiding on social media. Um, you know, howling into the void.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Um, You've shared a little bit of this already, but I'm always interested too in, you know, this idea of, you know, everybody that that seeks to make a difference in the world, everybody that's trying to make things better through endeavors that make a difference, um, knows that that work is fraught, you will make mistakes, you are trying to do things Mm -hmm. before. Um, There are moments that really seem like profound failures. And then you know, sometimes in retrospect, the mistakes and the the failures were really important um, lessons, or maybe they were obstacles that were actually um, thinly disguised opportunities that you were able to flip. Is there a moment like that, where in the arc of your current endeavor, where, you know, something that you at the moment may be perceived as a hardship, a challenge, an obstacle, or even a mistake, a failure, Um, that in retrospect really provided you with some fuel to help you get.
1: Ah, that was a great question. I think that like many business owners, you start with thinking you can do more. Your everybody's your client. Everybody's my potential client. And, um, and I think like every entrepreneur, I had to learn that that was exhausting to me. I was not enjoying the work as much. I wasn't providing as good of service that I felt that was outstanding because there's certain areas. For example, fundraising and grant writing. Those are areas that I do not do consulting in. They're There's I did them when I was a chief executive and throughout my career, but I don't do them because I don't feel like I offer the best product. The amount of money someone would be paying me to do that. So I refer those things. So I think that that was probably a real big shift for me, was really narrowing down. As I mentioned, you know, in our early beginning of our conversation, how I started working with micro nonprofits. I realized that the larger existing nonprofit, the strategic planning aspects, all those things, which I certainly can do, were not the area that I was finding energy in and were not unique to me. So that's kind of where I made a major shift for me, spending time, money, you know, some frustration to really just look at what is it that I love doing? What makes me different than other people? There's a lot of outstanding consultants out there in, in the strategic planning space, working with larger nonprofits. And I work with them and I refer business to them. But again, just I think the biggest key for me was shifting what makes me unique where's the biggest need? Where do other people not want to work? Not smaller nonprofits, not always, people don't always want to work in those spaces. So I don't know, that's kind of probably a big, big shift in my business that that really made a huge difference and brought me a lot of freedom and more joy.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to just highlight the first thing that you said, which is basically echoing the sign over my left shoulder, which uh-huh. is less more actually You are not for everybody. It just had a, had a, was part of a a conversation yesterday where someone said, half the people in the world like me and half the people in the world don't. And I said, well, actually, 99.9999999% of the people on the planet don't even know who you are. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there's real, there's real value in go small approach, like, Mm -hmm. what's the smallest viable audience that you can talk to, to use a word that Seth Godin uses, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, that you can serve and delight so thoroughly that they can't help but tell more people like them, you know, you don't need to to save the world, you probably can't save the world, and you don't need to be for everybody, you can be for just, you know, if if there are 100 people that will pay you Mm $1,000, you should be good. So and the other thing that you were saying, and this is this is so essential, and I think too many of us learn this too late. It's you have got to be clear on your boundaries and guardrails.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Who what do you do and what do you never do? Yes. And who do you work with and for, and who do you never work with and for? Yes. And not not letting that those boundaries ever blur. Um, mm-hmm. because that level of clarity will, I think, be one of the 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 biggest um, catalyst to your forward progress. Because when you do more of the right things with and for more of the right people, to your point, you said it. I I experience a lot more joy. That's how mm-hmm. you can enhance your own life while you're still helping other people. So mm-hmm. love, 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 love. Um,
1: you know, and, and Scott, what I would say is it also comes into my work because with nonprofits. One of the biggest things is people want to save everybody in the world. And it's the same thing that I do in my consulting with the smaller nonprofits, particularly that are starting, is that not everybody, we would say, not everybody is your client, but for them, not everybody is their client either. And so just helping them to niche down. And the very four things that I told you are kind of the four things that I share with them, just in a little bit of a different, different, different dialogue. But if you can't, if you don't have access to those people that you want to help, they don't see you, you're not going to show up in their neighborhood and all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, you, you're here to help me if they, don't already, if they don't already have a relationship and access to them. And also with donors, kind of in the same way, you better be able to tell your donor what it is that you do. Does your donor have a draw to this kind of a thing that they say, yes, I want to give up my money, my hard-earned money to your cause because I see what your purpose is. So it, kind of, it just kind of works. It works for me. And then obviously in the people that, that, I, that I work with in my nonprofit consulting.
0: Well, and I think that there's also real value in something that you're saying. In turn, like you use the word referral, like you can refer, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: people really underestimate the value. Yeah. Uh, you know, like yes, you 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 may not get that person's business, um, and because you actually mm-hmm. help them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you refer someone that's the wrong fit for you to to the right fit. Mm-hmm. Not only do you get the good karma that might get you into heaven, you also <laughs> get the reputation of being someone that is competent enough in mm-hmm. who they are and what they offer, that you can you can uh, uh, turn people not just yeah. turn people away, but turn them toward your quote unquote competitors, which are really mm-hmm. just other choices. Exactly, um, and by it's a way of being of service and helping that can only get your reputation, uh, in, in the marketplace. It's, yeah. you know, I'm sure in your world, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people that know each other. I mean, you know, yeah. word does spread. Mm-hmm. If you are a selfish if you act selfishly in the marketplace, people will soon find out that (laughs) you're you're a selfish person. And people don't, I don't know if you've noticed, people don't really like to work with people that are only interested in self-interest. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it's a poverty versus scarcity mentality. I'm sorry, I was going to say prosperity versus scarcity mentality is what I meant to say. Poverty and scarcity go together is that Do I believe that I can that I can bless and encourage somebody else by giving them a better fit and bless this other entrepreneur, and and then you know I get referrals all the time too in in the same way and I you know you kind of asked a question earlier but I think that is a mistake that I have made in other times is trying to take on a client that I should not have because either I was afraid I wouldn't have money or I thought oh I can make this happen and I share decades in my career later I'm much less. Um, enjoying that than I might have decades sooner when I just said sure I'll figure it out, and I'm realizing that I love working in my lane right now, and that's where my joy and 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 peace is. So, well, I love, bring I other love, people in and help their families prosper. So, yeah,
0: well, I love that you brought that up because I I think that that applies even more broadly. And I know that you and I just from uh, we haven't spoken about this before, but I was looking at your. Profile on LinkedIn before we got on, and I know that you have um, some investment in DEI and trying to help broaden uh, opportunity and and create more um, opportunity, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And to me, that conversation is also around this idea of abundance. Like we talk about privilege and we have treated privilege like a scarce commodity and the ones that have it don't want to give any up because they're afraid that there's not enough to go around when in fact, there's an abundance of opportunity. Yes. Uh, and, and the more privilege we extend, mm-hmm. the more privilege there will be generated, which just means that there's more opportunity for more people to do better. Yes. <laughs> and- to have more. So I think that I, I really feel you on that because I remember uh, the, that shift for me came in my music career when I had a guitar studio. I live in a very small town and there were a lot of choices for taking guitar lessons. And I was pretty clear on like what I did and what I didn't do. Um, and I remember when I finally raise my prices to the point where i could make a living wage price 20 25 higher than all the competition and people would come for to enter you know i always started off with kind of a a, 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 let's uh let's get to know each other chat Mm -hmm. and you know they would say well we really like you and what you do sounds amazing but um you know there's a guy down the hall that is only charging, you know, this much. Um, we're gonna we're we're gonna try that. And I would say, fantastic, you should do that for sure. Mm-hmm. In more than half the cases, three, four, five weeks later, I would get a knock on my door saying, Hey, <laughs> do you still Hi. have an opening? You know, because um even though they were protecting their scarce financial resources, they realized mm-hmm. that the value at of yes. working with someone that treated their kid nice, that mm-hmm. with compassion and understanding, in addition to being technically good at the craft, um, mm-hmm. that was that was invaluable. Suddenly, I became a bargain compared to mm-hmm. competition. So mm-hmm. really, really powerful. Well, we are coming um, close to the end of our half hour together. And I always end with the same question. Um, you're making a profound difference in the world, Kim. and If there are people out there that, like you, would like to fly higher in the difference only they could make, is there a final tip, piece of advice, insight, quote, something that you would share to help those that seek to begin or to um, advance in the difference only they can make, do so with greater equanimity and joy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been wonderful to, to 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 be chatting with you in these in these, in these uh, last minutes. Um, I would say that I think that I've really seen a big shift since since COVID and everything that we've all been through in the world, our shared experience of people really wanting to make more of a difference, and so it's been really extraordinary to see that. And I think that people get stuck because um, they think what they're not doing is unique, or what can I actually do. Or fear, those kind of things, and I think that we're just all in a season where taking risks and trying new things and being okay if certain things don't work, and then we shift a, a different perspective. You know, we shift uh, something different. Um, I guess I would just encourage those out there in your in your audience that that have a nonprofit dream or have a dream to make a difference in their world to to see where that is. Is it it in their neighborhood? Is it in their children's school? Is it in their church? Is it in their business? Um, Or is it something bigger that they are ready to create some structure around and bring a team of people on to, to help them move forward in that? And I would say a lot of people that I work with are people that have had their own personal experience with certain things, and then they want to change the world because because of the ways that they have learned and grown and that they want to help other families and other people with the, with the things that they've journeyed on. So i would always love to chat with anybody that, that wants to consider uh, making their dreams a reality and creating some structure and moving forward and creating a nonprofit or just someone wants to talk about, uh, about some of these issues. I don't, I'm always available for that. obviously with my website here. I do offer a discovery call and would love to talk to anyone that, that is interested in chatting more.
0: Really appreciate that. Love that you highlighted the opportunity, even in the last couple of years during mm-hmm. the pandemic. I think you are absolutely right. It reminded us that we took a lot for granted, and that mm-hmm. basic human needs, wants, dreams, and desires like connecting, hugs, <laughs> yeah, fakes, yeah, um, you know, it, we we. I think all got a much deeper appreciation for that over the last couple of years. So I, I love that you shared um, those reflections. And so we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Kim and I really appreciate you lending us your valuable time and attention. And hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Kim Fisher right down there on at her website, visioncatalyst.org. And of course, it's always great to see you at creativeonpurpose.com as well. Now, take the insight and inspiration from this conversation and keep flying higher in the difference only you can make. Kim Fisher, thank you so much for Ooh. sharing your and wisdom with us today.
1: Thank you, Scott. It's been great to hang out.